Roll for initiative. Hello, everyone there in RFI land. We're back again for issue number 54. That's right, 54 issues, and uh, we're complete this week. As I am DM Vince, along with DM Nick, and, oh, who's this voice coming in right now? Hey, it's DM Jason. Who? And I'm Who? back. Who? Who? <laughs> D- 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 DM Jason. 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 I, I, Nick, you know yeah, what I remember you guys. Yeah. I know this guy. I'm not sure. <laughs> so what you been up to, Jason? Ah, geez. Um, been pretty busy. I've been uh, playtesting uh, my friend George's new game, actually, uh, Legends and Labyrinths, which is a uh, kind of a return to the old school rules approach. And it's very, uh, very much in the spirit of, of the kind of Frank Mentzer approach to gaming, uh, which is really cool. He's actually going to be debuting it at Gen Con this oh, year. Oh, wow. So uh, I've been having a lot of fun like playing with the beta version and uh, getting the bugs out. I think everybody's going to be really excited to check that out. Um, and actually, another friend of mine is going to be doing some beta testing of their new game at Gen Con, and it's called um, Adventurer Conqueror King. So um, I don't have very Conan-ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of takes that whole promise of being able to go from a commoner to you know real... Uh, kingdom builder kind of thing and distills it down to, to, to really that, uh, those core elements. So Tavis, my friend Tavis has been working on that. So there's a couple of cool new old school style games to look out for, um, around Gen Con this year. Cool. Well, well speaking about conventions, Nick, you want to tell us about origins? Yeah. I just got back from origins and boy, are my dice tired. Uh. <laughs> Uh, it was how many random encounters did you roll on the way back? <laughs> uh, none. I was lucky. <laughs> I wasn't driving. Uh, but it, it was okay. It was a pretty good con. It was just as not the same level as last year, though. Attendance has dropped since probably about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm. You know, they're getting there. No problems. I'm really concerned about the attendance, though. Yeah. Uh, on a Friday or a Saturday, years past, I mean, generally the uh, registration area is packed. <laughs> uh, past few years, and, and including this year, it's pra- you practically walk up and there was hardly any line. You'd maybe wait 10 minutes at the most. Hmm. Why do you suppose that is? Well, I think part of it's the economy. You know, yeah. I think people can't afford to go to the convention. I mean, you're seeing less and less people come. And from, $5 gas. Well, yeah, when you're talking like anywhere between 350 to $5 a gallon, depending where you are. Hey, our yeah. gas I just mean, went if down. If you're driving, some people used to fly here, and, and you know, Lord knows how much that costs. Yeah. Well, but, you know, I uh, drive everywhere in my World War II tank, so gas is. Oh, so you're be- eating gallon a mile. Oh, it's terrible, <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, I mean, that's, I think that's part of it, because you're seeing less and less people from further out. I mean, you, some, I mean, at Origins, you would get people, like, from, all the way from California, some people from foreign countries, too. I mean, I mean, beyond even Canada. So, yeah. I mean, so, yes, our friendly neighbors to the north. America's and, hat. <laughs> there was a group of guys like that. They wore... <laughs> T-shirts. They were from Toronto, I think, and they had T-shirts says Canada. Uh, I think said America's hat on it. Yeah, and they they were so cool. I said, I'm glad you guys are here because I'm afraid this convention's gonna die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, speaking about dying, you said they were gonna change something. Yes, this is one thing that's. This was the big buzz this year. Uh, next year and the year after 2013, they are basically moving the dates for origins up one month basically to the end of may beginning of june okay why is, is that a good or bad thing well wow. in my opinion and the opinions of many many people there this is a very bad move okay why because yeah. one most schools in the area are not let out yet your high schools junior highs grade schools are mm-hmm. not let out of school yet. That's okay. going to cut into attendance because a lot of the, the families, because it's a real family am- okay. atmosphere at Origins. A lot of, and I would say, I'd say a lot, but a significant amount of 
gamer families, they bring their whole families, and that's how they sometimes do their summer vacation. They all geek out there. So that's part of another thing is uh, they have a special teacher's hall pass thing. If you're a teacher of any sort of caliber, you get to go to the convention for free. Hmm. So they're moving the convention to June, you're saying, or May? End of May, beginning of June. All right, that's the part I got confused about. Okay. It's kind of like in there. So 2012 and 2013 dates are like end of May, beginning of June. Also, so why, would they, keep, why would they do that? Um, from what I heard, it's because I guess the convention center rates are cheaper earlier in the year versus the summer months. So, so, so what you're saying is they're, they're having some trouble. Attendance is down. They don't have as much money, so they need cheaper rates. And then they're going to go to a date when attendance will go down even more. Yep. Pretty much. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. You pretty much uh, it. It's kind of what they call the death spiral. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's kind of – that's where – but there's already petitions started on Facebook for this. And the well, – Petitions chairman, don't pay – Petitions don't pay the Grant, bus fare. Yeah, well, that's another thing. They used to have free shovel service. They have it this year. Well, so if people want organs to be at the same time and to be a great thing, then a lot more people need to sign up to attend. Yeah. In other words, they need more money to make it a better thing, so more people have to go. So everybody go to organs. And that Gen would Con. Work. And yeah, I. That would be great. <laughs> and Kineticon. And but, uh, uh, anything else? Texacon, and Texacon. Well, and Omicon. Yeah. And GaryCon. <laughs> And Gary Con and Historic Con. You know, go just, to all of the cons and all travel, of them. Just travel. go to every one you can every weekend. Well, imagine that life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> con to con to con. Uh, but overall, it, it was fun. It was good. So uh, Kineticon is coming up really soon, uh, July eighth through the tenth. So that's this coming weekend. After uh, the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will be up there. I'm going to be running a couple of games. I'm running one uh, old school uh, AD&D game. I don't know if I want to say what it is because people could go and read the adventure. But it's going to be uh, – it, it's my favorite adventure of all time. It was actually published in Dragon Magazine, not as a separate module. Wow. Um, and, and I'm going to be running a, uh, a mini adventure, a, a Gamma World mini adventure from the oh, cool. uh, uh, Legion of Gold. So, ah, nice. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be up in Hartford, Connecticut. And I've never been to this con before, but it looks really, really amazing. There's a it's just Kineticon.org. The guy that does Kineticon uh, goes to Mepicon all the time. I always talk to him yeah. about it. Cool. So that's going to be a cool thing. Go there and see DM Jason get his autograph. Or just, you know, roll dice at me. Whatever. Or throw dice at him. Throw dice at me. Throw me good ones. So let's talk about the big Mac Daddy coming up in 30 days, Jason. Yeah, there's another um, convention this year. What's Um, Um, It's in Indianapolis, so it probably has a name that has to go with that. Indiacon. Indiacon? It's probably something like that, yeah. Annapolis Con? That makes sense. <laughs> Gen Con. Con. Yeah. General Convention. Gen, Gen Con. There you go. That's that makes sense. it. Jason and I will be there. We'll be doing probably a show from there, and Jason will be running games, right? No. No, no? I'm not running any games this year. Oh. Uh, I've got so much going on, people from all over the country that I haven't seen for a year that I want to spend time with and all these games I wanted to play in. So I'm not, I didn't sign up to run any games this year. Uh, I will be running two games of uh, classic D&D, so you can find those. Actually, they're both sold out at this point. Ah, cool. I know registration is going to be closing by the time everybody hears this. So, yeah. Just stop yeah. the table. If someone doesn't show up, you know, obviously you can step in with uh, generic tickets. I was just out in Indianapolis last week oh, what a for a totally unrelated thing. What a tease. Um, I, I know. It was so weird because I was out there to do something work-related, but I was staying at the Omni, at the Omni, oh. this Omni Severin, <laughs> and I was going down for breakfast, and I'm like, where's all the gamers? Come on, guys. Was I'm it weird around. being in there without all the gamer stuff? It's so weird. <laughs> That's the only reason I ever go to Indianapolis is for Gen Con and walking around. I'm staying 
by the convention center and there's all the hotels where I know the games are about to be and all the yeah. restaurants that are going to have the cool people in them and you know the Ram which does their restaurant up all cool for Gen Con and I'm just expecting at any minute to see a bunch of you know Ren Fair geeks to run one way and anime geeks to run the other and a bunch of you know guys with uh, LARP swords to come up the street none of it was happening and it was freaking me out please tell <laughs> me one thing that all that construction has gone no, it's not. What? The construction there's this huge amount season here. <laughs> there's watching There's a huge swath of construction right between uh the between um what is it Meridian Street yeah. that's, that's next to the Omni and whatever street it is that's got the convention center. There's just a huge block that's been torn up. Ah, I was hoping that'd be so, done by now. You know what? It's really good for apocalyptic LARPers. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're there right. You go. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> All right, so meet us up at Gen Con. We're going to have a little meetup. We'll sit and chat with everyone like we did last year. Probably in the Omni again. I don't know. That was a cool place to do it. Why not? Yeah. yeah Jason could buy a cup of coffee and get us a table for 12. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the last time. They love us. I'll have a cup of coffee and a table for 12. <laughs> That's funny. They love it. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, we'll see you at Gen Con. Nick? Yeah? What's our stars the stars? stars the stars Crunchy stars. <laughs> our stars over here on uh, iTunes. I we see. have one four-star review. Four-star. Okay, good. And it's called Good Times Great Production, a little lopsided. What? But Yeah. By Richard Kircher. Uh, says, really enjoy the podcast. Get some get some great guests. The chaptering is above and beyond. Wonderful for a one hour plus per episode length. They keep individual sections pretty tight to keep it interesting. My only complaint really comes from the balance with the hosts. DM Nick never seems to get the same respect as DM Vince. It's not overt. They don't actively put Nick down, but if you listen to the show, it's not even the cleric weapon debate, but you'll notice <laughs> how, you'll notice his difference of opinion is quickly dismissed. On the other side, DM Jason really monopolizes the show. He talks as much as Vince and Nick combined. Jeez. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, great show should be a model for fan casts. I don't really notice. I mean, we just talk. I mean, we take everybody's opinions for what it is. Whatever, Nick. It's like... <laughs> So, oh yeah, well, <laughs> fine. That's really, just your opinion. Yeah, I'm we, stomping off now. We don't care. <laughs> anyway, blunt weapons. Well, then he should be happy that I was uh, absent for a couple of shows. Yeah, I didn't talk much. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, it, it's. I, I, it might seem like that, but you know what? We all have our opinions, and everybody, you know, takes it for what it is, and that's cool. So it's like, I don't know. Never I thought really I noticed. disagreed. I thought I disagreed with Vince way more than I disagreed with you. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm kind of the middle of the road guy anyway. Oh yeah, you so. and I, you and I argue all the time about the rules. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. our whole shtick. Yeah, that's yeah. our whole shtick. No, you two is like, oh my gosh, geek fight, go. Yeah. <laughs> I would prefer if you called it a nerd fight. Oh, I'm sorry. Nerd fight, geek fight, whatever. Still same thing. Still gonna be hands like flailing. Opinion matters. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, still gonna be hands flailing. Going stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> All right, Nick, be quiet. Anyway. Hey, 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 hey. All right, we thank you for the four star review, and uh, we'll try to put a rope around Jason's mouth once in a while. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> uh, and if you want. <laughs> Nice. Leave us comments, osrgaming.org, our forums, uh, we're consolidated now, or d20radio.com, still are our, our sponsors, they have forums there, as full-on gamer likes to uh, point out that, hey, we're still here, and we still like to say things. Or, or Facebook. <laughs> or Facebook, yeah. I don't, yeah. Or, or, or Dragon's Foot. Actually, we're or not on... I, or iTunes, again. We're not on Dragon's Foot anymore. I, I, we, we pulled away from there, actually, to consolidate. Okay. So. We're just at OSR Gaming, Facebook, and D20 Radio. Okay. Yep. The triple three. Yes. Triple and threat. I think that's about it. We'll head into Tale of Manners. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world, we like to find one with table manners. 
What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Okay. Tonight on Table Manners, or today, or whatever time you're listening, uh, we're going to uh, get into a section where I'm actually not too familiar with, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about talking about this, is the uh, monk class. Probably the... I don't know either. The monkey. <laughs> the monk class, you know, kind of, you know, well, martial arts kind of guy. And... Um, it's three different types. How to, yeah, how to... You know, the difference between the one in the player's handbook and the one in the Oriental Adventures book, if there's any differences, you know, are backgrounds important for this character for the campaign? And why is the the monk class in itself very difficult to qualify for? And uh, maybe a few other things. So this is one of those classes, at least to kind of start off, I don't think I've ever played. Because I looked at the class, I remember when I first got my player's handbook, I'm like, meh. Kind of <laughs> well, it's, cool. hard. it's just, yeah. it but doesn't I'm fit the mold of the rest class of them. 10 and no armor. Uh, <laughs> You're a magic user. Yeah, yeah, worse than that, you know. <laughs> it's like, and I can use only what weapons, and I only do this much damage, what? <laughs> you know? Well, and it just, it doesn't fit the mold of the other uh classes that much so when you're looking at the game for the first time you kind of look at it and go uh it's enough for me to figure out all the rest of this right you're kind of going yeah huh (laughs) why is this (laughs) but i can i think the class has some really cool things especially when you get up to to middle to high level Mm. as far as the abilities but in itself it's you know it's very difficult to qualify for the traditional uh, one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's now, how does um, index minimum fifteen and a constitution minimum of eleven? So, yeah, in the in the Oriental Adventure one, you need a fifteen in strength, wisdom, and dexterity, minimum eleven constitution. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Out of the Oriental Adventures book, uh, the only difference that I saw was. They incorporated some of the specific martial arts rules in that book, along with the key power stuff. And the honor uh, system. And the honor system. Other mm-hmm. than that, it's really a reprint of the PHB one, for, for the most part. I, I don't really see any other differences. I mean, one of the things I remember looking at this character class is like dexterity gives them no armor class adjustments. No. Why? Why? That makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I don't get that. I mean, someone please explain. <laughs> I do not know. So. I, I think there are ways to time class at the beginning. As you go up in level, they're probably better, but I don't know. I tried playing one once, and I hated it. Yeah, I, I never played the ones out of either book, but there was an article written in Dragon Magazine in September of 1981. It was issue 53. You can also find this article reprinted in the Best of Dragon Volume 3. Okay. It's called He's Got a Lot to Kick About. And it's by <laughs> Philip Myers. And it's basically a retread of the monk class. And if I was going to play a monk, if I wanted to have the monk class in my campaign, in fact, I remember writing up house rules for it, this is the one I'm going to use is out of the Dragon Magazine. Just to highlight a few differences, um, one, uh, like the armor class thing I, I uh, mentioned to you, mm-hmm. uh, in the PHB and Oriental Adventures, you start with an armor class of, what, 10? At least with this one, the monk starts with an armor class of 6. Oh, that's a little better. Also, your hit dice... Instead of uh, four-sided, it's six-sided. So you start with 2d6. Oh, that's so you, you can actually get all the way up to, like, 18d6? Um, yeah, well, novice, uh, compared to the uh, PHB, cla- uh, PHB version, instead of starting with 2d4, yeah, you start with 2d6 at level one. That's a little much. Yeah. I think that's to compensate for the lack of armor that they wear. Um, also, there's a little bit of differences in in movement rates. Are 
are a little bit different. Uh, open hand damage is actually, if I remember correctly, is a little bit less. Actually, no, we uh, just a little bit more, not much more. Uh, like first level novice in the PHB version, open hand damage is one to three. Level one in the article is one to four. This is so, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Uh, different special abilities. Um, they start actually. You start gaining special abilities at level one and not at level three, and it's expanded out to a little bit more. Uh, well, I, I feel like the way that the monk is set up, it shows you a lot about the philosophy of the design at the beginning, and maybe yeah. what you're seeing is a change in the approach to it. Because, for one thing, the monk has the same sort of design approach as the magic user does. The in idea way, that yeah. they're, they're balanced across the lifetime of the character rather than being balanced across their abilities at any one time. Yeah. You know, they start they start out weak and they become these amazingly fearsome characters, especially when they get up to the point of having having the uh, uh, what do you what do you call it the quivering palm? Yeah, you know, where I mean, being able to just kill people with a you know with a yes. short stroke. But the five finger exploding uh, heart technique, you know, stuff like that. Basically, right? Uh, but the other thing is, when you look at the what it takes to qualify for being a monk, that kind of tells you right there how, at least when Gary Gygax at, and the others were writing the player's handbook, how they intended for characters to be created. You know, the idea was yeah. not you're going to decide what class you want to play and then roll for it. In, in, instead, it was you're going to roll up your abilities and say, and see "Okay, what you this... qualify for." Yeah, the best. Of. So that actually that makes it kind of cool, and and that's you know, fine. I just think, um, and I can see where you're going. Where in many respects, it the monk and the magic user have that kind of progression as far as abilities. I think the thing that kind of put people off with the monk is until you get to really fourth or fifth level, you're not really becoming very effective. Sounds like a magic user to me. So you might as well just play a magic user, which is easier to qualify for. Well, I think the difference is that what you've got here with the monk, and I'm saying this, I haven't actually played one myself, so all theoretical. But it seems to me that the difference with the monk is that you have a character who can be incredibly effective when they have no weapons as a fighter. Right. And in fact, I think that was one of the things that is changed in this article. I'm going to have to check, but I think they put them under the fighter uh, section. I, and I think in the PHB, they're as thieves. They fight as thieves mm-hmm. as far as respect to their levels. I think in the article, I got to read through it again, but I thought they, they, the guy uh, treats them as under the fighter class. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not so I, I have certain to assume. About that. I have to assume that they were thought through and play tested and everything else before they made it into the PHB. So, and, and there's probably also that. a reason <laughs> yeah. that the, the the issue of dragon you're talking about. I'm not certain, but I think that came out before the Oriental Adventures book. Was, yes, it did. Yeah, by by about four years. So the fact that it didn't end up in the book shows that at least the people who were creating these thought it was already well-balanced and well-designed. So maybe if you played the version in Dragon, you would have you know, a bit of a munchkin on your hands. Yeah. I doubt that. I doubt that. I, Let's I think try maybe it. Well, I'll play it. Maybe <laughs> we should have a pickup game at Gen Con. Yeah. All monks all the time. Full party of I've monks. I've heard of people doing that. Yeah, I've heard of that too. Be I've like uh, Avatar: Last Airbender. There you go. Could you? I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. A whole party yeah, of monks would be kind of cool, though. <laughs> It'd be interesting, to say the least. Like yeah, especially once they get all of their their monk followers. The Shaolin showdown or something like that. You never know. Yeah, I think this is where the problem is for me with the monks is that I never really got into. You know, like the old kung fu films. I don't listen oh. to Wu Tang Crew. You know, <laughs> Wu Tang Clan. See, I don't even know what they're called. 
crew, clan, whatever. Um, you know, so because it's not really a fictional what I care that much about, I was never really in t- enticed to, to play a monk. Yeah, I, I wasn't either. And uh, I guess it was just, you would like you said, you would think that it was play tested before that. I mean, who knows? I mean, you could also assume that maybe uh, Mr. Myers, when he wrote this article, he probably play tested this thing too. Maybe it does work. I don't know. But I was, I don't know. I was never really interested in that much of that stuff either. Well, now, I can't leave out some of the things we've even talked about before, which is like the monk's ability to dodge missile weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we had a little, a uh, couple of discussions on that. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, can't I mean, what else can they do? Uh, get up to higher levels. Uh, disease. Um, well, I mean, telepathic yeah. and mind blast attacks. They have immunity to disease, I think, or as a poison. At 11th level, they're immune to all poisons. That's it, poisons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, paladin that's immune to disease. If you get up to 12th level, Gias and quest spells have no effect upon them. <laughs> good. So, but, I mean, there's a lot of good things in there. I mean, if you, I mean, being able to mask your mind so ESP doesn't work, um, not being, oh, actually, you know what? Vince was 100% right. At fifth level, the monk is no longer subject to disease of any sort or ever affected by haste or slow spells. And that's at so. um, fifth. Fifth. Yeah. And as soon as they become a master at level six, they have the ability to, to basically play dead. They can go to a cataleptic, cap, whatever, cataleptic state and uh, completely and appear dead, which doesn't sound like much, but you can think of a lot of ways that that would be useful in a campaign. Hmm. Yeah. I, one other thing I didn't understand about the monk class, they don't have a whole lot of weapons on their, you know, this is their, you know, hand-to-hand weapon list or missile weapon list. Well, they're all about open-hand attacks. Well, right. But the ones that they do have, there's one off there that just doesn't make any sense why it isn't there, and that's the scimitar. I would think okay. the scimitar would be on there. For isn't the scimitar a uh, Middle Eastern weapon? Yes. Well, yeah, but I, th- I think you know, kind of going with that mm-hmm. setting, I think a scimitar might be similar to other weapons of in that culture. I would at least think the scimitar might be on there, or a short sword, or something. Well, where's Where's the uh, weapons list? I don't even know. The where weapons to look. list is on page nineteen of the PHB. They can use bow sticks. Or it's not next to the rest of the monk stuff. <laughs> okay, <laughs> bow sticks, club, crossbow, dagger. Hand axe, javelin, Joe stick, polearm, spear, mm-hmm. staff. So any polearm. The only thing that kind of doesn't, I was going to say sticks out <laughs> um, here for me is why they get crossbows, daggers, and hand axes. And the, yeah. Those don't feel very monkey. No. I would think a bow would be more kind of like that if they were going to use like a missile weapon. Yeah, I can see them with a bow, but a crossbow. That seems, yeah. you know, that's that a medieval... That's <laughs> the medieval assault rifle. Yeah. Right. I'm looking in the uh, Oriental Adventures book to see if they might have changed it up a little. It's like the Amish yeah. using a cell phone. Oh, they <laughs> like those go. cell phones. Did you, there was one of them that got busted for sexting recently. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> it's true. I don't want to get we'll into go that. There. Not even going there. Well, here there. we go. But, well, they but yeah, did the change it up a little bit in the Oriental Adventures book. It okay. says, Martial Arts Weapons Any... Axe hand, Bokuto. I'm not even going to pronounce the next one. <laughs> Crossbow and a dagger, Daikyu, Halberd, Javelin, Kama, Kusari Gama, Lost Lasso, Naganada, Parang, Spear, and Trident. I like the Trident. That's kind of cool. I like the Trident idea. That's actually kind of cool. I like the idea of an aquatic monk. <laughs> you know, so a monk that's grown up on an on an island that's sort of the Greyhawk equivalent of a and then you have one that Indonesia like, something lives on a volcano, another one that yep. lives in a uh, lives near the clouds on a, on a mountain. So you have I'm talking Avatar last year, but then Darren Airbender. You see, I don't. I, I never saw that movie, so yeah, I I'm that not going to get it. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Yeah. Sorry, I should be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you like that movie, but your I, opinion. Well, is- no, I got I got a ten year old who's totally into Avatar: Last Airbender. <laughs> Watched the whole series. Yeah. That's about the right age level for that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's so good. I fit in because I have the mentality of a ten-year-old, so it kind of fits in just fine. <laughs> I don't think we're arguing about that. No, no argument strength. even for myself. So I have the I strength of a ten-year-old. <laughs> no, I don't have the strength of a ten-year-old. Twelve, but not ten. Yeah. Um, so the the weapons list was expanded in the other book, which is good. So oh, the dragon. I like that. I still think a scimitar should be in there for some reason. I don't know why. What about the dragon magazine? Did so they expand give- on it at all? Or um, no, actually, I don't think they did. Uh, giving a quick glance. Through the article, it's only like four pages. No, none of the weapons have been changed. I personally would add that, the scimitar, to his repertoire, just because it just feels like something, you know, it's a a curd blade kind of thing, you know. It just seems like that would be a cool thing for a monk to use. I'm just thinking like, you know, the martial arts. Well, you've got a campaign where where clerics are walking around with them, so you might as well give them to your monks. Yeah, why not? It depends on what god they worship. Then what allows those sorts of weapons, and that's in my campaign. So I don't, there, I don't. Is that a one e rule or is that a two e? I don't know. That's my rule because I oh, house. Sorry. <laughs> so there. All right. Ha. All right. Let's move on to our next segment. Then. I think we beat okay. this one down. Yes, with monkish fists. Nah. <laughs> fists of fury. Had to add to it, huh, Jason? Had to. Yeah. You think I'm mad? Perhaps I am. What are you, a wizard, genius? Darn. A perfectly good brain wasted. Game mechanics. Okay, so moving into game mechanics. And uh, we're going to talk this week about the morale, 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 morale rules. It's a hard word for me to say. How about morale? I just realized. (laughs) I didn't think morale was a hard word for me to say, but apparently it is. It is. Um... Yeah, it's almost like I can't actually pronounce the word, and this is ironic coming from Iowa. R U R A L. Can you guys say that word? Rural. Yeah, that's about as good as I can do too. Rural. Rural. Yeah, and morale is a little hard for me too. So morale rolls. Now that my morale has been lowered by trying to say the word, um, (laughs) Jason's running away. (laughs) Bravely ran away. Over to the Dungeon Master's Guide. If you're following along, it's on page 67. And uh, morale. Now, this is only for NPCs and uh, and uh, creatures. One of the places this threw me when the first time I ever played the game uh, when I was a kid is that I didn't really, you know, being 13 or 14 or 12 or whatever age I was, didn't really read book carefully enough to realize that that was just for NPCs, and we tried to apply this to player characters. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I bet I'm not the only one. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I'm the only one here, but I'm sure if anybody else has done that, please let us know so that I don't, I don't care if I feel stupid, but, you know. Um, but anyway, so the morale checks, it's Basically, a way to provide some mechanics to something that in the original Dungeons and Dragons would have been more of a, um, you know, play it like you see it, more of a ruling. You know, do you think they're going to run away at this point or not? And here it gives you a chance to actually uh, roll morale checks if you want to have a mechanic to the whole thing. Mm. And the stuff that's going to lead to that is pretty predictable. If you're. Um, Facing an obviously superior force, uh, so like the one force is just nailing you twice as much as the other one. Or as you Vince is like, I don't care about this rule. <laughs> I don't right. use it. <laughs> um, his reaction was like, eh. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting well, for Jason to let Jason do his spiel. Save okay. or Die is the show for people that want to play the OD&D rules, and that's where you make the rulings. And here we talk about the books that have all these rules that you could do if you would just wanted to have a mechanic. So, Go on. Yeah, we got a mechanic. <laughs> uh, so, so anyways, if, you, if you're in a situation where you think you're going to have to make a morale check, you probably are. You know, your leader's unconscious. Quarter of your party has been slain. Um, your leader deserts, and there's all these percentages that go along with it, and they're pretty predictable. You know, five percent for a low thing, up to like maybe thirty percent. And then there's all these other modifiers that come into it, like you know how many casualties you've been giving, etc. And then the question is, what are they going to do when this happens? So this is where things like your player's charisma come into play. You've got a bunch of henchmen, and at this point. 
finally that charisma stat means something. Hope you didn't use it for a dump stat, right? Oh my god! You mean charisma's used for something? It is if you use this rule. <laughs> oh, I'm excited now. Do tell. <laughs> yeah, so your charisma is going to affect the, the reaction modifiers, and you're going to get a bonus, or you're going to get a negative on that. So if you've got ah. Dudley Durite, the, the most charismatic <laughs> Mountie in the land, and now. he's a paladin. Yeah, so he's going to have a better chance of keeping his followers on his side. It'll be easier to to rouse the troops. Um, so that's the reaction adjustment on your charisma table. Yeah, so that's where you, okay. that's where you go with that. And um, basically, it's just a question of are they going to fall back and continue to fight? Are they going to just disengage? Are they going to kind of flee in panic or actually surrender to the other side? Um, and it's also a good one because if you're fighting against monsters and the DM's using this rule, it finally gives you an actual reason as a DM to be able to say, yeah, this creature is going to surrender to you now. You know, so if you're trying to figure out what's it going to take to get the lich to surrender, your morale table can give you a chance to put a mechanic to that. Lich is not going to surrender. Come on. Depends Good. how overwhelming your force Maybe is. Maybe the lich's little brother, but not the lich. <laughs> the I don't know. His little Who brother? Are... <laughs> <laughs> Here, take my brother. Yes, take my brother. Take my brother Sven. He's no good to me. He's Skeletor. It's only, only a specter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is definitely one rule that I do not like. I do not use by my snicker snuck before that you heard, Nick. I yes, cannot stand really this rule. Meh. <laughs> yeah, my meh. Meh. I hate this rule. I hate it. I don't like dice leaving it up to me. Why I like. I hate it because I don't like dice leaving it up to me. I like to decide on my own when a monster's going to run, when they're going to surrender. I can tell by the way combat's going if I want a monster to do a certain thing. It all involves into my story. So if I want those kobolds to say, oh, no, and drop down to their knees and say, we surrender, then they'll surrender. It's like Smurfs. But <laughs> Uh-oh, Nick, that's week three. Ah. What? What's week three? Three weeks in a row with the Smurf reference. Oh, how dare well, you? you know, you're probably getting excited about the movie, right? No, let's not go there. <laughs> well, look, I know you're a big Neil Patrick Harris fan, hey. and I know you love the Smurfs, so it's only natural. Don't be dissing hey, NPA or H NP NHP, whatever. <laughs> no, no, NPH, that's it. <laughs> yes. Three times. Okay, anyway, morale. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's one rule I don't like. I just don't like I, this rule. I kind of I like this rule, but I think it really depends on the situation. If it's going to get in the way of a role play situation where I just want to see, I, I want to role play this monster, this group of monsters out fine. I think I would use the morale rules. If it was like, if there was a random encounter that came up, you know, I just don't want to worry about role playing it. I would probably use the morale rules just so see if they flee or surrender or, you know, they continue the attack or whatever. For those I, I would, yeah, I'm sorry. I would use it sparing. I would just use it sparingly. It depends on the situation. So, what method of uh, morales do you guys actually use? What dice rolling method do you use, Jason? You're strictly by the book, I assume, right? Well, I, I kind of treat it the same way that I'll treat anything, any other rule or roll that comes up. To your point, if I've got a story to tell, if I've got something for them to go through, there's occasionally we talked about fudging rolls before. Occasionally, the monster who would have hit. But missed it by one, and I and I really need them to connect. Yeah, yeah they're going to make their roll. Right. You know, so it's the same sort of thing. I do actually use this rule, but if there if it's going to screw up the adventure, you know, if having the big bad guy at the end surrender would totally throw off what they were trying to do, then I wouldn't bother rolling for it. Right. You know, or if I needed him to, for that matter, I wouldn't leave it up to the dice. But so I think, like I said, kind of. Kind of like it depends on the situation, really. Yeah, I prefer to use it because I like to roll. I love rolling the dice, so I prefer to use it. And you know, I like charisma to mean something. You know, if there's a very charismatic character, I like them to be able to take advantage of that. Hmm. Role play it. Well, of course, role play it. But if you've got a if you've got a character with an 18 charisma, let's be perfectly honest. How many gamers do you know with an 18 charisma in real life? Um, I know a couple. <laughs> they go to Mepicon all the time. Oh. Yes, I'm my point. And you should see how many people <laughs> walk by the table and drool over them. 
<laughs> Just what, what is it? Uh, porn stars that play D and D. Oh, well, there you go. You're thinking of comeliness, not charisma. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, but 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 still, I mean, my point is that yeah, you got to role play it, but there are some stats like charisma that if your charisma is not. If you're playing a character who's got only a three – or not a three. I mean you're not going to do that. But like an, a six charisma or something. Um, you know, it's kind of like the intelligence. Yes, role play it. Um, but also I'd prefer you to try to role play it within the stats that are given. Yeah. And you know, I, don't know yeah. if you, I don't know if you can role play me into, decide, into as the DM deciding whether the orc is going to you know, flee in panic or just surrender. You know, maybe sometimes I'd like to give that a roll. I usually just go on by how I feel at the time and how it's going to affect my story. You know, how we do it on Save or Die podcast. <laughs> one that like, doesn't use AD&D rules? Yes, the one that doesn't shut all the Classic D&D. Classic. Anyway, uh, so that's how we do it. Let's hear how you do it out there. I'm interested to know because this is one of those rules that, you know, you take it or leave it. Yeah, it's... It's not like it's one of those things that you have to use or or not. It's just kind of there, kind of like yeah, an add-on. Book. <laughs> oh, gee, it's in the book, so I have to use it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. You do you play- use weapon armor modifiers? He does. Yeah, I do. He used it You're- in the game we played at Gen Con last year. Oh. He used it yeah. in this podcast that he did. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, he's the ultimate core. He's wow. A, he's the core guy. That's that's hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. There's a perfectly awesome game system you can play if you don't oh, like. Oh, I understand. But you're like the only you're the only person I've ever known in my 30 years of gaming that ever used the the weapon the armor modifiers. I mean, yeah, I have okay. never known anybody else. Not even, I mean, that's that's not great. even the great Joe DM used it. So the, the great Joe I just like, DM used I just it? like the rules. No, he didn't use it. Oh. So anyway. Write us, email us, and uh, smoke us. Signal that is not smoke us physically, but you know, I had to clarify that was the last time. Yeah, no, don't don't pull a Keith Richards because I'm not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now we'll head into creature feature. Creature feature feature theater theater. Uh, creature feature. Creature feature. Another it's crazy. Yeah, crazy and wild. We've got the algaloid. That's how I pronounce it. Am I pronouncing that right, Jason? No. This is how many L's did you just put in it? Algoid. <laughs> there, there you go. go. Algoid. Like altoids. Like altoids. Pretty much, or this deltoids. is your mind blasting Hulk hemorrhoid slash thing. Slash plant Hulk creature. Smash. Uh, slash yeah. smash slash whatever. Algae Hulk smash. Pretty much this That's is a colony is. <laughs> of yeah, of algae that forms into like this like massive creature that can attack and it can do mind blast once per day. Which I find yeah, awesome. You don't get. How yeah. does this rudimentary algae intelligence have psionics? Um they drink a lot of poisonous water. I guess. Going next to a factory? You're asking to put logic in the game with fairies and elves and dragons, guys. I mean, it's just... Yes, I am. Just go with it. Just go with it. Just go with it. And edge (laughs) weapons pass right through them without doing any damage whatsoever. Cool. Well, that makes sense. And Hold on a second. Okay, yeah, I guess they could open up on one side, close down. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. Blunt weapons do full damage. (laughs) Finally, Nick's character wouldn't make it through because he doesn't use blunt weapons. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> Let that go. What Let I like go. is I like is they have like they can control like like other trees and stuff in the area, so they can like a tree come to life mm-hmm. and start attacking for it. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't use too many of these. It's just appearing one to six, and it's an armor class of five with a hit dice of five. I wouldn't put too many of these together. Pretty dangerous. They're immune to fireball and lightning. Yeah. Dang. They're immune to fireball is kind of weird. I think Fireball would be pretty good at an algae company. Well, they're wet, so... Yeah, but a Fireball is pretty intense. Yeah. Part water and lower water spells inflict one to six points of damage to it. You know what I wish? You know I know what wish this is? is? I just figured it out. 
What? This is a monster that you can use those useless spells against. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's what it is. But Jason's- I only memorized part water. Oh, pfft. okay, killed it. All right. <laughs> Jason, you had a wish. But you Let know what I it. wish? Yes. I wish that there was a TV show like Mythbusters, but specifically for AD&D. <laughs> I want to test some of these things like, like yeah, like will a fireball destroy an algae monster? We decided to find out. <laughs> this week on Monster Bashers. Yeah. The algae. Yeah. Really a Mr. Magic Lightning? <laughs> it would be great. You can can a human really carry a 10-foot pole in a dungeon? Yeah, if it's collapsible. And then and then Jamie and Adam else. have to make a collapsible ten foot pole. Yep, I'm telling you, this show would be gold, Jerry. It's gold. <laughs> <laughs> somehow I don't. So somehow, <laughs> so, so Nick, how would you use this guy? Very carefully. Um, I didn't ask how Homer Simpson would use it. I don't know how he would use it, but. <laughs> um. I guess this is one of those creatures obviously found in a forest environment, maybe in a real dank dungeon covered with mold and fungus and all that sorts of things. I I like using monsters in conjunction with each other. The first thing I would think of, like the algoid uh, layer, maybe they are in working in cahoots with a shambling mound. Hmm. You know, I could see, like, maybe the Algoids are, like, uh, the minions of the Shambling Mound or something like that. So, and Shambling Mounds in themselves are nasty as it is. So, it's like he needs a whole lot of help. Um, I'm not sure what else, how else I would use this creature. I don't know. I mean, I never have used it. It's just one of those weird ones out of the Fiend Folio here. I could just see stumbling into it a lot. Yeah. And they'd like I can go, see that. Like, if you go under a waterfall or something in one of those caves under a waterfall, I could see him being in there. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, chilling out. No one bothering. Not bothering anybody. Then you kind of step on his cousins, and he goes, rah, and he comes out. Yeah. Oh, going smash. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about as limited intelligence it says he has, so. Yeah, pretty much smash. Water what about, good. What about you, yeah. Jason? What would you do? Well, I wonder. I mean, I've never used one, but now that I look at it, I wonder where... Are they permanent? I mean, is this, are they something no. where the algae has come together for a couple of weeks for a party? <laughs> you know, or is this an, you know, and they're going to break up and get back to their algaeing later? I think this is like a permanent, like, no. life form that's made out of algae that was exposed to magical energies or something. No, it's like a so. temporary state. It goes back to being algae. It does? It says it's a temporary state. Oh, wow. That? Oh, well, it does yeah, say it right says, in the first paragraph. I'll be darned. Yeah. Its form is only of a temporary nature. Yeah. So, like, yeah. a bunch of algae got ticked off and then turned into a big monster that goes smash? Yeah. Do they, do they <laughs> meet up and they're like, hey, you guys, I have a totally good idea. <laughs> you I don't. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, Mr. McGee. We're tired of being stepped on. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what it is. They're tired of being stepped on. Right. So then, then like, are they a magical creature? Did the wizard create this because they do have magic immunity of some sort. Yeah, the, unless they're plus two bonus or better uh, for the weapon. I, I don't know where... Yeah. I, yeah. And the immune to fireball and lightning, I mean, it's saying immune to fireballs and lightning under magic resistance. And, I mean, maybe I'm not reading this completely, but does it say they're immune to regular fire? No, it's just immune to, immune to fireballs and lightning. Otherwise, okay. standard. Magic resistance. Well, fireball is a magic fire, so I would rule that regular fire would work. Right. So that means that there's some sort of, there's probably some sort of creation of a wizard. So maybe yeah. I'd put them somewhere as guardians of a wizard's, of a magic user's uh, lair. Yeah. So there's no okay. background to this thing, so you can just make up however you want it to be there. That, that yeah, I think that'd be a good place sense. to go. In a game about dragons and fairies? Yeah, no. <laughs> But, when it, yeah, out, I can I see the rationale behind that. I can see the rationale behind that, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So, uh, tell us how you use it, because I don't, can't think of any other way to use it. Uh, staff at gmail.com. 570-865-4210 is the hotline. Hotline. Off the top of my head, I remembered that one. <sighs> Dragon Sword. What, Nick? That was pretty good. Yeah. 
Dragon Sword coming up next. The Dragon Sword. So the bag of beans. Good times. Good times. I, like I we love our random pull out of, pull stuff out of things stuff. <laughs> we always have fun with these so ones. Good. They're fun. So Nick, you said you found an article about this one. I mean, not, I, not an article. Uh, I found somewhere online it uh, kind of expanding on the original bag of beans in the DMG page one thirty seven, where they give some examples of you know what could be found in the bag of beans. So you can have anywhere from three to twelve beans in the bag, and a little word to the wise. Don't just dump it out, <laughs> or the beans will explode for 5 to 20 points of explosive magical damage. Ouch. Yeah. Say, uh, I kind of would like it if they actually just did all their stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I see that they're supposed to explode. But when you plant them and the, when they grow, there's like a whole bunch of examples in the book. Well, a few. Like three shriekers spring up and begin wailing. An ice storm strikes the area. Poisonous raspberry bush, poison gas, wife and grows, it instantly attacks. And a That's partridge in a pear Oh, sorry. Yes, and a partridge in a pear tree. You could yeah. probably do that. That would be funny as heck. So you have to bury uh, it, is what you're saying. But it says, and um, at the end it says, thought, imagination, and judgment are required with this item. Basically, leaving it up to the DM. Oh. <gasps> yeah, the way more fun. And I found online, because I like having other people do work for me. This <laughs> is honest. Because I'm, I'm lazy. Um, well, heck, if other people have other ideas, I'll use them. Uh, the Ultimate Bag of Beans. I don't know who made the original one, this original article or this thing, but, um, you know, I like it. I, there's like a whole bunch of stuff here. A tree grows from the ground. And it gives, like, the type of tree and uh, how large it grows. Um, the heck would you want a tree for? I don't know. <laughs> um, liquid spews out of the ground where the bean was planted. And there's a... If you were... Yeah. If you've been trapped in a jail cell in a dungeon that's only maybe eight feet by eight feet, and you can make a tree grow... You could probably bust right out of that jail cell. First of probably. all, if you're in a jail cell with a with any item on you, then the jailer is stupid and you deserve to be just shot. Well, stabbed. Anyway. Or jailed. Or jailed himself, yeah. Attacked by an algoid. <laughs> uh, Smash. There you go. There's uh, a lot of ways you can get trapped in a small space, and I think that it'd be awesome to see somebody escape by causing a giant ancient redwood to grow. I mean, nice. there's a whole bunch of stuff here. I could probably... Uh, Post this on the website. I don't know who the site, though, but uh, there's, like, things like clothing will come up. Um, oh, you need a pair of pants. Boop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's totally random. Uh, noises will... A small hole repairs and strange noises come out. Uh, Whoopee cushion. Yeah, there you go. A rainbow appears. Oh, uh, portal to the uh, outer or elemental plane. What could you do? I can make a rainbow. Whoa. A tornado appears. Oh, that's useful. Uh, wooden spears of extremely sharp heads randomly shoot up from the ground. <laughs> nice. Oh, ouch. Well, that's the thing about these kind of magic items is that any one of these things could be incredibly useful if you could predict what it was going to do. Hmm. Yeah, but they're really they're they're last resorts. It that's yeah. what's so fun about. So, all right, let's hear, let's hear a ruling from uh, one of you guys here. I have the bag of beans. I'm, I'm playing your game. I pull one out instead of burying it. I toss it in a river. Are you guys got to rule it that it works, or just I wasted it? Wasted it. Uh, you drew the bean into a river. Yep. Hmm. It's buried. Well, no, it will eventually in go into. It will eventually sink into the mud. Yeah, it, it's buried in the river. It's under something. Well, I would have it just keep on floating down the river until it was so far away that by the time it buried itself in the dirt, it's nowhere near you anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's how I was kind of thinking too. I would yeah. probably get inventive with that and make something happen because it is buried. 
yeah, I mean, yeah, it would be eventually getting to the, like the uh, the Maka Nipper. So yeah, maybe like a giant water monster. Who? <laughs> maybe an Algoid shows up. There you go. There you go. That's <laughs> hey, That's, look at where they come look from. Nice, nice tie-in. I like that. There you go. So, this, what is it, a fun item? Useful item? Very fun. It's a item. great way to sow chaos in your in your campaign. Oh, we yes. love chaos. Whoever made this list, uh, it, the Word document is like 46 pages. What? So, yeah. Yeah. How would you even... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Exactly. <laughs> Bag of beans. Why don't you pull a bean out and tell us what you get? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Let's go into the 10-foot pole. Ooh, one of those electronic voting dealies. All right, so we got the 10-foot poll of the week. We got a new poll up again. Uh, this one is, how do you play your Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition? Choices will be Strictly Core 1E. Who's going to pick that? Hmm, I wonder, Jason. Yeah, I wonder, uh, Jason. <laughs> I enjoy Next choice is I enjoy 1.5E, which includes the uh, Unearthed Recon or Young Adventures, the Dungeoneers 5, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then the third option is I am a house rules DM. Pretty much you just, you know, mix and match. And the last one is I like to mix and match editions because I know quite a few people who do that. So, Nick, how are you voting? Um, I would have to honestly vote I like to mix and match editions. But I do some house ruling, too. Oh, well, pick one of the options. <laughs> I pick the mix and match editions because <laughs> okay. I use the morale from... I use uh, the uh, initiative rule from second edition. <gasps> I know. Shock horror. <laughs> what is the second edition you speak of? Uh, n- never mind. <laughs> I-, I didn't say anything. Uh, and Jason, how would you uh, vote here? You know, actually, if I'm being honest, it would be the same one. It would be the mix and match. I, it's, to me, it's all about the core rules, sure. But, you know, there's so many things where I've picked something up from a Dragon magazine or, um, you know, just brought in a rule that, that, that worked really well. I, it would probably be considered mix and match. I'd have to go with I'm a house rules DM. Mm. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. No big shock here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess that's going to pretty much end the show. Why don't you guys vote, vote, vote often. Vote like Jason more than once. <laughs> and uh, visit us on the forum. Say hi, say goodbye, say whatever. And uh, uh, Actually, before we wrap up. No, uh, Nick, we don't I care. For- we don't care. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what, Before Nick? I forget, yeah. one of the things I wanted to put a shout uh, people I wanted to put a shout out to. There's no shout outs was- on this podcast. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Just shout it out loud. Come on, be like the folks of uh, Gamers Rule, Jim and Debbie. Yes, they were. They rule. Yeah, because they rule. Um, They were at uh, Origins. They had their booth set up, and just want to let everybody know they have Quest expansions one and two out for the dungeon deck. Woo! Nice. Recommend getting those. They're wonderful. Yeah, and. And I'm not sure if they're going to be at Gen Con, but when I was there at Origins, they had a special convention special, the God Call deck. Ooh. And there was some really cool stuff. You know, if your cleric does a God Call, uh-huh. you know, uh, and there's, it, it could be something good or something that's not good. It could be something like he totally ignores you, or it could be something like... Uh, one d six enemies burst into flames and uh, and are dead, are destroyed. So stuff like that. I love that. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. So uh, check out their website. They do have the expansions for the dungeon deck there. Or I don't know if they're going to be at Gen Con, but be sure to head out to their uh, booth if they are there and say hello. Yes, and uh, shout out to Tracy Hickman and his extreme dungeon mastery. He'll be at Gen Con. Try to pick that up because that's a really cool system. Very oh, simple. You have to check it out. It's easy as pie. Anyway, uh, keep original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Bye.
Roll for initiative. <laughs> 